Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. It is good to be back. My name is Daniel Markin, joined around the table by Greg Harris and Hello. Jeff Bucknam. Hello. Hello. And uh, gentlemen, we are in that season, and you know what season that is, don't you? You know what season it is. We look forward to it every year. Hunting. We look forward to it coming. And Festivus. We, we are so excited. And you guessed it. It is Star Wars season. Ooh. It I is see here. what you did there. Do you like that? I did. I might use that in my sermon this week. Really? You should. Uh, yeah. But you try to say space words, though, and see how oh, many people wait. stand up and go, I object. <laughs> how dare you? You're making fun. Greg, you, do you have a question regarding the uh, Star here's, Wars here's my fandom, question. don't you? All right. Let me start off by saying that I enjoy a good Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Some of the best movies ever made. Star Wars. Here's my problem. There, there's this like weird Christian subculture thing where if you don't like the, if, if you're not obsessed with the like fantasy world movies and books, like Narnia stuff, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, mm-hmm. like the, these are normal things that Christian people in the, in a Christian subculture just like assume everyone likes. And I'm if gonna, you say something negative about them. Then they freak out. Or if you say that you kind of like some things that yeah. the that like for example the Star Wars culture says that you don't, yeah, you're not supposed to like. Like yeah. honestly, the early name, the name early. Well, no, the okay. So the first, for I don't even know how to say this. Okay, for me, the first three movies on the Star Wars were the were the I guess episodes four, five, and yep. six, and yep. then the, the the second three were episodes one, two, and three. I I liked the the one, twos, and three. I thought they Thank were pretty you. good. I th- I thought they were fine. And you know who I didn't mind? Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. But I you know. say this, Jar Jar Binks is from the devil. Dude, it became one of those trendy things to hate. It became like, ah. oh, everyone's going to hate Jar Jar? I'll hate it. Oh, everyone's going to hate Nickelback? I'll hate Nickelback too. He's Ooh. awful, Jar Jar Binks. How same. dare you? Right now, in the ears, some people are bleeding. Their yeah. ears are bleeding right now They're because like, I just said Jar Jar Binks should not be expunged from the entire <laughs> thing. I'm going to say this right oh, now. How dare you? I'm going to go on the air yep. on this live show yep. and say that the prequels are masterpieces. <laughs> Stop listening. Fast forward it. Maybe not Jar Jar, but uh, my goodness. Bad. The plot, everything no, going on. Good. It's the pretty remarkable. Thing, but that's my thing, though, in the end. And if you yeah. get it wrong or you make a mistake one time saying, wasn't Lieutenant Picard in that? How dare no, no, that's Star Trek. You Star Trek, you idiot. They have <laughs> Worf and those other things. Yeah. It's like with Lord of the Rings. What's the difference between a dwarf and an elf? I know. Don't get that one wrong. <laughs> it's like... It's you just, are we talking like a Christmas elf? Don't you understand where they come from? No, they're from? tall. They're See, tall elves. Haven't you read all of all of those books? Did you not read the Cimmerillion in chapter 7? <laughs> Tolkien See, goes through explicit amounts to make sure you know the elves came across with the seven Silmarils. <laughs> Here's a hot take for you. How can you make Orphan fun of Del- You're not allowed to make fun of the Hobbit. I have. Is that because? No, Tolkien's and then they got dead? mad. Is that because Tolkien's dead? Jeff, no, and, and then they can't? got mad that Peter Jackson turned the Hobbit into like <clears throat> three movies. I actually they're pretty good movies, right? I, I haven't. Here's here's my hot take. 
It's not a hot take. It's just, it's something, about, it's just something about me. Medium rare take. I haven't read any of those books mm. by like Tolkien you know, and Lewis. I've just seen the movies. No, I haven't either. People get all mad at me. I, I read The Hobbit when I was a kid. Okay. So, but I have not I, read The Lord of the Rings. I read Lion right now, the so, right somewhere right now, Kyle Meeker is feeling a cold shudder down his back. Yeah. Dude, I will tell well, you there's this. There's somebody, somebody involved in Christian uh, things mm. who's not actually read The Lord of the Rings. Well versed. Mm. They don't know who Glorfindel is. <laughs> Do you know what's one of the worst? Okay, let me say this. I read the first. Lord of the Rings, and then half of Two Towers, and then it just got distracted. And the first half of Fellowship of the Ring is probably one of the most boring reads you will ever Ooh, have in your life. Easy. There's no. seven chapters Whoa. of them walking beside a horse <laughs> and singing songs. <laughs> and then, do you know in the movie when Frodo gets stabbed? And yes. there's like, a big rush, and the Arwen's on the horse, and they're running away from the nine wraiths. Yeah. In the book, well, he gets stabbed. I don't really, but yeah. In the book, he gets stabbed. Yeah. And then this other elf, Glorfindel, shows up, and he says, oh, I know the way to Rivendell. And then they walk. And they sing songs. And it takes a number of days at a, just a slow saunter to get to Rivendell. Meanwhile, Frodo's dying. Yeah. Anyways, do, you, do you ever think that Tolkien was just at this point thinking, I wonder how much, how much people will put up with this drivel? Totally. Right? How, how far can I go with these fandom books? Well, this is the most important part of the, uh, of the, of the, of the books. It establishes all the characters. See, this is we almost this. I almost feel like being the devil's advocate and sticking up for it now because we're all we're all on the same on the same page. If you had a Kyle Meeker in here, nah, he listen, would it, listen. Has had cultural impact, and because Tolkien was part of the this Foundlings group or whatever they they were called, the uh, him and Lewis and and whoever else was part of this group that was Christiany and mm-hmm. and yes, there's all sorts of biblical imagery in it, and I'm all for that stuff like that. Here's what I don't get. Mm. The, some of the same people who are right in it with the uh, with the uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Narnia stuff think that Harry Potter's from the devil. So I'm trying to understand. It is, Jeff. But I'm trying to understand the difference in genre. That it seems to me that it's still dealing with issues about good and evil and those sorts of things. And there's magic involved and whatever. But because one of them was Christian. named C.S. Lewis. Or J.R.R. Tolkien, and the wow. other one is a lady who changed her name so not everybody would know her, right? Mm. That that I I, I don't totally. I've I've actually read some some of both of them, and they seem very much along mm. the same genre, making some of the m- main main points. Listen, if you're out there right now and you are thinking you just desecrated all, her I, name's J.R.R. Tolkien. I would Tolkin. actually or be interested in hearing Rowan. like what why I actually am interested because I don't know mm. why why such a distinction between these. These books. All right. I'll take a stab at it. Jeff has opened up the door to the fan theorists Mm. in the world of Lord of the Rings, Narnia, and Harry Potter. This this can't go wrong. Okay. What would it take for you to go to a Star Trek uh, reunion thing? Would you like you redress up? Reunion? Oh, like a Comic Con? You go to a Comic Con? Yeah. You go down to Seattle and everyone's dressed up and you're. Would you do it? I don't think. Who would you go as? Jabba? If someone. <laughs> we go with the VIP. It's all Star Trek. You start mixing them. I'm <laughs> go dressed as Java. That'd actually be fun. You wouldn't be expected to move. It's no. great. Uh, you know what? I don't think even if someone paid my way, really there, and gave me a hotel for free, you I wouldn't don't, do it. You wouldn't not do it. not if it included going to the actual Comic Con. Okay, what would what would it take for you to dress up at the Comic Con? See if I here's the thing. Sure, everybody's got a price, Greg. I would. <laughs> if there's one thing we learned from Han Solo, it's that everybody's got a price. Let's say, let's say, like a reasonable price of what I would. The Millennium Falcon. Let's say I would. Can go, we fire up the hyperdrive? 
<laughs> if someone gave me 10 grand, that's it. Okay. $10,000. That is a lot of, are you kidding me? You, you do it for a thousand. What would you dress up as? I don't know. Princess Leia. Yes. Yeah. I would go dressed up as Princess Leia if someone gave us $10,000. I would do this. If someone paid my way to go to Comic-Con and gave me 10 grand cold hard cash, I would go dressed as Princess Leia. So well, one is, person goes as price. Princess Leia, but who goes as Jabba? You need your Jabba. <coughs> Everybody needs a Jabba. I bring Benji dressed up as Jabba. <laughs> I'd carry Benji around with me as a mini Jabba. A mini Jabba. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, this could happen. Guys, this is uh, we're off to a good start here. It could. I was in Rhode Island recently, and they had the Comic Con was <gasps> immediately preceding the Evangelical really? Theological Society. Yeah. So, it, but it was just ending the night that we arrived. It was just ending. They were having their little party, but nobody was dressed up as a <clears throat> as a character. I think the people who were there were the ones who were like organizing it and stuff. So they're celebrating the. I've never. That's the closest I've ever been to a Comic Con. They're celebrating a Java well done. <laughs> 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 Rumors are Al Mohler was there. He took in both conferences. Totally. <laughs> he did. He was there, actually. At Comic-Con? Yeah. Well, no. no, he got there, and I think he took a picture of Comic-Con. Here's seven theological reasons why you should be watching Star Wars, one through seven, in sequential order. I'm Al Mohler. Welcome to The Briefing. <clears throat> I'm Al Mohler. Welcome to Comic-Con. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is, uh, this is a good start, but I want to get actually get into some business talk. I want to talk about some questions that we've had sent in by the listeners. Are you going to go to the Star Wars, though, before we... We should probably... Yes, I am. Yeah, of course you are. Why Why wouldn't you be going to the Star Wars, right? Although... I wasn't lying. I, I wait I wait all year for spoiler this. Alert, spoiler alert. I, I think The Last Jedi is the girl. Uh-oh. So. No, I think it's Luke. I no, think I she's going to be a gray Jedi. And, I think uh, she's going to be a what? She's going to be... A, a gray Jedi. What it doesn't matter. Dear. What does Friends? that mean? Oh, dear. What a does gray that mean? Jedi means she balances the light and the dark. I don't... That's a whole new. That's a whole new kind of Jedi. <laughs> There's only been three of them in existence. <laughs> was Yoda one? No, Yoda was so dogmatic in the light. Oh, oh he was dogmatic. That, that was his problem. He was 900 years old. Only the Jedi. <laughs> You're gonna get stuck in your ways at 900. He was. So dumb. <laughs> you know, he wasn't open to new ideas. No, he's seen it all. Yoda, well, can we change know, the carpet color in here? Mm. It wouldn't kill you, Yoda, to have a little <laughs> bit of dark. Uh, see, we have people listening to this right now who are like very mad because <laughs> we'll talk not at all with mockery about sports. No. And they no. think sports teams sport. are dumb. That can't be mocked. Sports can't be mocked. I sports is real life. One, one of our Great. elders tweeted, you can guess which elder, who tweeted that with, with pride that none of his kids could name one Single professional athlete, active. Okay, let's all say this elder's name on three. One, two, Graham Nickel. Graham Nickel. Sorry, I was I counted wrong, but it's Graham. Knowing Graham's skills in math, I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! All right. Okay. First question, Greg. I want to uh, open a can of worms here on you. Mm. You're the resident Anabaptist. The resident. uh, Um. Pacifist? Well, you're no, Mennonite. you grew up in the tradition. Yep. Right? Yep. Oh, I'm an interloper. As, I'm I'm, a, as I am frequently reminded by many within the tradition, mm-hmm. I am an interloper. I am That's a, when you, you inter, what do you mean by that? Jeff? I mean that I am a, an unwelcome guest to the Anabaptist tradition. <laughs> or I'm somebody who comes in from the outside and who is ruining everything. So you're I grew welcome. up at this church for 17 years. I literally learned what Anabaptist meant last year. 
I had no idea that these things existed. Yeah, well, there you go. But meanwhile, Benedict Option over here <laughs> is... Uh, I always get chirped for recommending the book. Sorry that I like a book. Okay? Sorry that I think it's helpful in this He has a one-a-day quota. I think you're getting paid by Rod Dreher to say am. his. I am. Okay. Here's the question, Greg. Mm. Is it okay for Christians to carry and con- conceal and carry weapons? Mm. Especially with all the, you know, the church shootings that yeah. we've seen. Um, maybe it's there, you're out and, out and about and there's an attack happening and you have the opportunity to actually take action and prevent further harm from happening with your gun, with your sidearm, your firearm. Um, I guess this isn't as applicable in Canada, but just in general. Sure. So say, is, say it not, it is it not applicable in Canada? You cannot carry, I don't, you I don't know the law. carry here. I don't think. I, I know that the, the restrictions are much higher. Yeah, I know in the States you're able to. If you have a in some states, only particular permit. ones, I think. So here's my here's my uh, caveat at the beginning, which is that uh, obviously I'm not going to have a viewpoint that's identical to every Anabaptist on this issue, uh, particularly some uh, professors that I've had in the back in my history through CBC would disagree with probably my take on it now. But give me, give me your Anabaptist credentials. <laughs> What do you mean? Like Greg my history Harris. with it? Yeah, yeah, no, I want to know what, like, what, what case sure. Why? Sure. So grew yeah. up uh, Bakerview MB Church. Okay. Uh, a lot of good MB folk and professors and teachers and stuff go there. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you receive your formal high school education? At the Mennonite Educational Institute. I went from there to Columbia Bible College, which is a Mennonite school and a Baptist evangelical school. And then I... You currently work for a Mennonite Brethren Church. Currently and work you here. are... Uh, you are credentialed with the Mennonite Brethren denomination. What's that? To, is right. it Menno? Menno Fest? That's a lot of Mennonite. At Tradex? It's what is that? Of, oh, so other MCC than festival. MCC Festival. Other than your... Other uh, than my actual ethnic traditional right. background. So you uh, are... I would be... I, I'm ideologically Anabaptist about as far as you could get in terms of my upbringing and my commitments and yet z- zero of it in terms of genetic okay. last mm. name. No Harris Brecht. Just Harris. Mm-hmm. So... Here's my take. I I don't think that it is the right of the individual to act on behalf of um, the state unless they're actually given that authority to do so. So what I mean by that is that I don't actually think it's our responsibility as individual citizens or our right as individual citizens to use force like weapons so what to, if the, to subdue a situation like what, that. What if the law permits you? Mm-hmm. I, I would still say that that's a, a place where I think the I, I think that the state has the responsibility and the authority to do that. So the state solves that problem by allowing you to conceal and carry, though. So they say yeah. They, they say yeah, sure, you should call the police as well. But in the meantime, by the time you're calling the police, there's a guy in a movie theater who's shooting everybody. Yep, I I would still my viewpoint would be that I don't think it's our right as individual. And what's your Christians. biblical basis for this? Do you have some, do you have one? I'd probably point to Romans. I think it's 13. Well, the government has a right. 13, four. Government yeah. has a right to bear the sword. It does not bear the sword in vain. Yeah. So, so I, I have zero issues with, this is where I would probably differ from some others in the Anabaptist tradition. I, I have zero issues with people who are Christians uh, participating in the police force. Um, I don't see so that. So is that as a traditional a, Anabaptist uh, no, view, that's, viewpoint, though? That would well, they be would a, make the point about mil- military and and violent yeah. actions in the military, but not. I 
I have not come across police force quite as much. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard both. Um, I was, I was taught by some that it would be a, a break in Christian values to even join the police force. So if somebody is uh, involved, so in, in our city just recently, a terrible mm-hmm. event took place with the, with the, the, totally. the killing of a, of a police officer. And we just, as an aside, are continuing to pray for their family and, mm-hmm. and our city itself to heal and all the police force who we thank God for. Mm-hmm. So this happens in our city. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the per, the person or people who uh, who stopped that, who were in the police force, and who stopped it by the use of force, and honestly, the fact that it wasn't deadly force was more providential than anything else, yep. <clears throat> that they sinned? No. So what did they do then? So if, are you going to bar you're going to bar Christians from from serving in the in the police force, but those who do serve in the police force and actually have to use deadly force? I'm not sinning. This is ultimately so why would you bar them? So this is ultimately why I, I made that break away okay. from the viewpoint that says that to be a Christian, um, that you couldn't be in the police force. Yeah. Uh, because to do so would be to have to sin. My my understanding of Romans 13, 4 and bearing the sword of uh, governments and authorities to do that, I think that, that um, Christians are are able to do that and not sin individually when they're doing so as a participation as an instrument of the yep. state. Yeah. I'd have zero the state. No. I think there's zero. What if you're not that? an instrument of the state though? So I use this example because I had a friend. Well, in does, college. Anybody, does anybody agree with that though? Like does any, if you're not an instrument of the state, meaning that you are not endorsed by the, by the state to carry a weapon and to use it for uh, the safety of others. See, I think I don't think anybody, and I don't know of any Christian who would say, Oh no, no, that's good stuff. See, I think there's a difference between, like a government permitting someone to carry and a government like authorizing that individual to act on behalf of the government. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So that that's where I would make the distinction is I think if the government has, has said, Greg, you are now a part of the police force and you're allowed to carry. And now as a part of that, even if say you're not in uniform, yep. you can do what you want as a civilian. I'd say, okay, great. <laughs> then I, I think that 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 removes that issue in terms of, I mean, am I doing this so you, as an individual? You believe or, though by, by the use of force though, to stop the, yeah. the oppressor or something to that effect, then yeah. that they are actually fulfilling their duty as a police officer. And that's been commissioned by the state, which has been put in place by God. Yeah. And I, I so think they're not sinning. Right. But what about, what do you think? So here, right. here's what I want Is that very Anabaptist? Sorry. Is that very Anabaptist? I, there would be people who would be listening to this saying that that that's me. That's, that's, that's an, you changing. That's an example of someone making light of the Anabaptist position or of, of not taking it as seriously as, as so can you give me your bet, the best, uh, defense or argument for, uh, an Anabaptist position? Are you, is it a sermon on the Mount here? Turn the other cheek. Is that basically the, the, the thrust of the argument that, uh, the, the, the lifestyle of a Christian should be one, that when somebody tries to hurt you, you turn the other cheek and it should be an act of peacemaking. Yeah, I think I think they would ultimately appeal to that. Although, here's, again, the hard part for me is I think those passages have to do with what when people are coming against us. Against me. Not, not against, <laughs> like if I see someone harming Daniel and Daniel right. does not have the capacity to fight back, the, the turn the other cheek passage doesn't apply to me. In that situation, I think I have but, a duty to intervene to help Daniel. 
I, so, so you just said something interesting to me though, that you said that if Daniel doesn't have the ability to fight back, isn't that the very thing though, that the, that the way people understand the way some Anabaptists understand that passage is, is advising Daniel not to do. Right. So in other words, uh, <clears throat> I start hurting Daniel, which mm-hmm. by the way, easy. Yeah. I mean, not that hard, but I start hurting Daniel, uh, the scriptures, according to some, are telling Daniel to, to allow me to do this, but you, Greg, are, what, permitted, commanded to stop me? I, I think they <laughs> would, again, I think the normal view would be to try as much as possible to, to non-coercively reconcile the situation. Yeah. Uh, Which my, I think is, uh, just in all this discussion, by the way, we don't want to make it... I think we're always this, saying the last resort. This is a mm-hmm. this this is a nuanced discussion, and there is a lot of merit in the Anabaptist position in the sense that the, the my my understanding as somebody who's coming from the outside is that mm-hmm. the main argument is that this should not be that fighting back that sh- that that violence should not be in mm-hmm. any way the first even second third option mm-hmm. <clears throat> that you should seek every available way. Mm-hmm. Right to to get out from that. I mean, so the advice of an Anabaptist to Daniel isn't no, don't just don't just sit there and take it, dude. Yeah, get out. Yeah, you can leave the situation. <laughs> try to leave it. Try mm-hmm. to try to end it peacefully. Even if though somebody is mm-hmm. throwing a fist at you or something like that, try, try to uh, diminish it, bring it down a, a level so that so that the emotions can. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. that you can get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So diffuse it a bit. It's an active. This is why the the language of active peacemaking mm-hmm. is used mm-hmm. as opposed to you know. Nonviolent passivism. Yeah, uh, and so the, the most of the Anabaptists that I know would would want that to be stated, and I think there's a lot of merit in that point. The question, though, comes though: what is is there a point of last resort where you are being injured that you can use force in response and have it be justified? One, and so that's you hurting mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, from my point of view. What happens when somebody else is being hurt? Yeah. Do you, what responsibilities as a Christian fighting injustice do, mm-hmm. do you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff, I want to, because that, that's where my question was, with your conscience, mm-hmm. how much of that in the moment is the Holy Spirit prompting you to actually take action? Right. So I use this example with my friend where um, he was, we were having this the same discussion and he was reading uh, Bonhoeffer, I believe, and he was saying, yeah, like the idea of turning the other cheek is noble and it's actually Christ-like and and whatnot, as he was saying, I said, okay, so brother, if you're at, you're on a missions trip and you're in Africa somewhere and you know that a lot of these villages have been getting hit by uh, terrorists and they come driving in in their trucks with their AK-47s, they come to the town, they shoot everyone up and they take the young girls away. Um, Let's say you're visiting this specific town and then over the horizon, you hear people yelling and shouting and you hear the, the, see the dust clouds that there's Mm -hmm. Jeeps coming forward and a guy Right, like the Bruce Coburn song, the guy throws you a rocket launcher. And he says, "Shoot!" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you can you you would now be acting preemptively. Right, you'd be firing first. Right, but the intention is to try and save everyone there. Right. I mean, how do you? And these are the challenging questions because in the end, it's just basically so ISIS is coming in. You know what ISIS does? Mm-hmm. ISIS is coming into a particular region. You know, uh, you have intelligence that tells you it's the case. It, is it, what is the duty, what is the moral duty in this moment yeah. 
Uh, and well, th- this, and these are the challenge for me. These are the challenging questions about stuff like this that are that because uh, I, I tend to to lean on the belief that the moral duty is to protect the oppressed, to protect those in harm's way, even if it causes me harm. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I have the ability to stop, even by the use of mm-hmm. force, I, mm-hmm. I, w- I will do so. I think that people, for example, in uh, in uh, was it Flight 93 that during the mm-hmm. World Trade Center, the yeah. one that was supposed to go into the White House, but these the guys field. who went forward and they put this plane into a, the ground yeah. by the use of force. They, they charged the yeah. uh, the cabin. Right, and they go at great risk to themselves. They ended up saving the lives mm-hmm. of many. I I think that that's uh, I think that that's great. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that that Mennonite brethren or and a Baptist disagree with what I just said there. I just, I just, I can't help but think that principle is is one that mm-hmm. I think we'd want to adhere to. That if others are in harm's way, that when it comes to the safety of other people, it is the responsibility of those of us to stop the the oppressor. I think about this in terms of, you know, this whole Me Too mm-hmm. um, oh, man. Mm-hmm. movement recently, and how the, I I actually think that it. Two things. Well, first of all, it's really sad that we live in a world where men mm. have been permitted for so many years to sexually um, provocate, you know, like to, to act in ways that are so demeaning to women first. Mm. Uh, and, but second, it's also sad that we've we've known about some of these guys and nobody has stood up for it. You, do you mm. understand? Like we just mm-hmm. sort of rolled our eyes. Well, he's just sort of, you know what I mean? Where some of us guys should have been saying, no, 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 that doesn't happen here. Right. I think that that I think that we are uh, I think we are we are complicit to some degree when we stand by and we watch mm. another person be hurt mm. and we don't actually stand up uh, mm. for it. And I know that there's dangers in doing that. And sometimes we overread things and we need to be critiqued and things for 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 that. But I mean, I've even had situations in my own life in, in the last little while where I've had to think that think that through where, where I've, I've watched as some other people mm. have stepped in to the gap and tried to protect someone. I think that they may have overread what was going on, but at the same time, I'm, I can appreciate the desire. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I think it's, I think it's noble to say, no, we're, we're actually going to try to protect people who we think are in harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes little principles don't, aren't super helpful for every situation, but I think in general, I think it's it's fair to say that as a last resort, things like force can be used as a reactive way to bring peace and provide defense. I would have a harder time with your illustration, Daniel, of the, the individual not sanctioned by the state acting preemptively. Mm-hmm. To so me, you think they should watch? I, I don't know. This is where the this is where <laughs> Sorry, the tension the is, option. right? It is because yeah. if if that hypothetical situation was true and the intel was accurate and there was no like no government authority, no policing around that was giving the go ahead to this, I would I would have a hard time. So that's the guts of the question about conceal and carry, though, mm-hmm. I, th- I think is basically yeah, you're not a government government. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with carrying. I, I don't think there's anything uh, about carrying a gun, gun any more than carrying a knife or carrying a. Right. I, I don't know. There's lots of things that can be weaponized and yep. lots of weapons that are weaponized. But I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. It's the use of it mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So, so, and because carrying of, it means that you are have it so that you can use it. If but, we're if we're carrying, are we trying to take? 
uh, God's sovereignty in our own hands. Yeah, like, but could you say we not, that about nearly everything, though? No, exactly. Like, could, using a seatbelt is taking God's sovereignty in your own hands. I mean, if the Lord wants you to die in that car, he's going to kill you. Yeah. I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just saying that I think, I, I, I don't know if there's anything wrong with it. And I, I do think the people who are consuming and carrying are thinking to themselves, I'm, I'm not, just here to protect. I know some people who hold who can who have concealed carry permits in the U.S. and they their their attitude is I'm not here just to protect myself. Mm. I'm here actually to protect others. Now that that creates, in my opinion, a lot of mercenaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, Greg, that's your that's my concern. Your concern is that you end up. I mean, like, is the world going to be a safer place with more guns? That NRA in the state says, "Yep, that's right," right because you know it's deterrent. Right. It's a deterrent. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I'm not persuaded. Probably the case. Yeah. 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 But then on the other side, you have people who said, well, it takes an average of seven minutes for the police to arrive. And it takes, you know, seven seconds to let off a round if you're there. What's interesting, though, is that you're assuming what what all of that does, though, is it assumes the moral goodness of the person who's concealing and carrying, though, isn't it? I mean, Mm -hmm. like there are bad guys out there and we need to stop them. We being the morally good people, which. I can understand the feeling there, but I also, I don't, I don't know if we're always in the right. I don't know if I'm the kind of person who, mm. uh, should always be trusted, you know, should always be trusted with deadly means. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes we just get incensed. This is the fear everybody has about Donald Trump in the States. This guy's gonna, this particular person with his character and his, he seems to be fly off the handle at times as shown by Twitter and stuff is also the person who's got his finger on the trigger with all the nuclear weapons and stuff. Now that might be unfounded because Donald Trump might be a better guy than ever, than many people think he is. But it, that's, that is a, that's a legitimate fear that we have though, that, you know, even the even really good guys get mad, yeah. and un, in an unwarranted fashion, their pride gets hurt. And if they have the means, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's an addition to this conversation is that I, I think just because someone is sanctioned and given the authority by the state to do these things doesn't mean that every time that they choose to act is justified. Like I think it's it's good that every time an officer shoots his gun, that there's a review. That takes place from outside of their, yeah. their, um, their whatever, yeah, academy or whatever, by by an outside onlooker to say yes, that was a justified situation. Which is a ju- or no. check and balance against totally. the against what the thing I just mentioned. Yeah. Right. We're, exactly. all, we're all given sometimes to, even police officers at times are being thrust into situations where they're, you know, the, the tensions run high and they're being disrespected and you know what I mean. And you have to make a call. And you have to moment. make a call. And sometimes you make the call that is. That is cer- certainly wrong, or or should be reviewed as actually this was excessive. Yeah, yeah. Boy, we solved that. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. <laughs> Not really easy. Not really for the person who sent that in. It's a very t- difficult question uh, that that lots and lots of people have to deal with. So um, can I just close it with this terms? then? Um, if you were in the situation, because I this is where I've always thought it would the dilemma ethical dilemma for me is if I ended up trying to save someone's life and I took their life, like I, the, the attacker, they, they end up dying. Um, would God still have forgiveness upon me? God has forgiveness upon everybody who repents and believes in the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that, you know, I, I don't know, don't know if I want to phrase it the way you did, but yeah. do I, do I believe that, uh, the question I'm having is have you sinned? 
mm-hmm. like manslaughter. Yeah, have you have you sinned against God if you were protecting other people? Yeah, that's more. If you were protecting other people and you don't have the instrument of the state, I think what I hear Greg saying is yes, because you're not because you're not the person who's. I don't think individuals have been given the right right to take life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I would say I would agree that there's forgiveness, but I would say that that would have been a morally wrong mm. mistake, perhaps, but still wrong. Yeah, interesting. Well, John, yeah, I mean, we solved that. Uh, let's, we have time. <laughs> we have time for probably one more topic. And I mean, some of this, what we're talking about is a little bit of kind of eschatology. We mentioned some of the end times, mm. you know, the justice of God or whatever. Um, do you guys see. Esch- yeah, eschatology means just end times for end, those of it. Yeah. End times. Do you guys see, uh, for example, in our church today, in our current culture, our current church culture, lots of work of uh, over-realized eschatology. What do you mean? Um, (laughs) I think what I mean, and correct me here, but is uh, that the kingdom is here now. And we're now living in those end times. And because we're living in those end times, it is our duty now to do all of God's work and and usher in the kingdom with our own uh, efforts. So, you know, one of the things that I find in conversations in classrooms and stuff, one of the most helpful things that I have, I think I tell people in a lot of classrooms is that, is, is the bi- the biblical emphasis on the already not yet nature of God's kingdom or of a salvation or so what I mean by that is that the kingdom's already here in the sense that Jesus has has come he has ushered in that's what he said when he started right repent for the kingdom of God is at hand he he meant that in in his person when you read the Sermon on the Mount what you're reading is basically kind of a ser- like a kingdom manifesto sort of thing this is the way where things work in my kingdom this is the kind of life I expect from people living in my kingdom so it's a great discipleship text in that regard um, so the kingdom's already here and yet so and, and along with it are things like healing and uh, and provision and we would say even prosperity. Right in the in the kingdom, mm-hmm. for those who believe. I, but there's also a, a not yet that you that you get. So you need Paul in Romans eight will say that we've been you know we've received adoption to sonship, and yet in the following verses later he says we we eagerly await our adoption as sons. So how, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. How did you receive adoption and you re- eagerly await it? Well, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, that's an interesting image. I guess you could put it this way, that, that you've received the papers for, for adoption. You have been adopted, but you're still awaiting the actual gathering to your, to your parents. So it's real. You have a father who loves you. You have an Abba, as he says in Romans 8, but you're, you're also awaiting hmm. the fulfillment of that. So you kind of live between the times there. I think that that's a good image. Uh, I think the battle has already been won by Christ on the cross against Satan and all of his minions. And yet the final, the final battle has, has, is, you know, like, so it's basically D days happened. Uh, it's in, you know, you're not, there's not gonna be anybody pushing back in a successful way against the movement of God's kingdom. And it's going to come in its fullness. There is V like V E day or V J day is on the horizon, but we live in between those times. And it's, there's a tension in between that, those times, between emphasizing what's already true about us, right? By his stripes, you are healed, mm-hmm. Isaiah 53. And yet, on the other hand, we're not yet healed. So sometimes I, when you ask, is there over-realized eschatology in the church, what that means is, are there, are there 
a lot of people saying these days that the fullness of the kingdom is here and now, and we should expect a life, an abundant life of fullness that is going to be ours in the eternal state, but currently, but currently now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to say, no, I don't think we should expect that. And I think that one of the real problems in a lot of Christian churches these days is that they overpromise what life here and now is going to look like. What life here and now is going to look like is what uh, we, we groan inwardly, like yeah. mm-hmm. in the pains of childbirth, which is another great image, right? The child is coming, it's guaranteed, but not yet here already, but, but not yet. And so this tension is something that we constantly live with. Mm. You have freedom from sin's power but you don't have it see freedom from its presence. You will have freedom from its presence. Mm-hmm. But the reason that you struggle with sin is, is not because you haven't been freed from it. You have been freed from it. You can have legitimate success in following Jesus and yet not fully mm-hmm. yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So you should expect a challenging Christian life. You should expect flesh and spirit to be waging war mm-hmm. against each other. And even though you can at every turn choose to follow the spirit you oftentimes follow the flesh and that's that's pretty pretty normal yeah well and i think another element to this is that we as uh like james will tell us like elders should be praying for people laying on the hands pray pray for for healing for people and that's a good a good thing to do and, and god very well may frequently bring healing to people's lives through these things and yet the, the kind of healing they'll receive is temporary. Yeah. Like their bodies will eventually, unless the Lord returns, their bodies will break down. They still mm-hmm. will die. So th- this is part of the, some of the, the cultures and churches that, that have like healing ministries as like the thing I, I just, I have a hard time with because sure, someone might be healed for that season, but if, if the evidence of God's saving presence is his activity and healing all the time, I just have questions because eventually the person's going to get sick from something else or they're going to die from something else. And so what, what do we do there? So there has to be an admission uh, even among the people who, who are the most zealous saying that, that healings always need to occur. Surely if you had them in a room, and you talk to them about this, they would say, well, yeah, we know that person's eventually going to die still. Yeah, I think they do. But I think that uh, it depends on who you who you listen to. Uh, th- there are those who argue that, you know, the ministry of Jesus, which was the kingdom in its fullness, mm-hmm. right? When Jesus came, he that's why healing attended it. That's why miracles and all those sorts of things should be normal. There are, there are lots of churches. I, I, mm. I meet people frequently who make pilgrimages to churches like this yep. that, that make this claim. On the one hand... The half-truth that I want to agree with is, yes, the kingdom is here in its fullness, and people will be healed when we ask God to do it. Mm-hmm. That's why he tells us to lay hands on them and pray for them. Yeah. He, he also will do miracles where he chooses, and we should seek the Lord and ask him for the moon, mm. trusting that he, you know, he doesn't give uh, you know, a stone when his mm. children ask for bread. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand, if you're overpromising people, what you're doing is setting them up for a very dangerous kind of fall. And by fall, I mean like a real letdown regarding who God is, what he does, and whether or not he's come yeah. through. This is the kind of thing, quite honestly, that leads to burned over districts. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by like in upstate mm-hmm. New York where the Second Great Awakening happened? There was all these promises of spiritual life and excitement and stuff, but it didn't really take. Mm. People were overpromised things. 
And now if you go to that part of the world, it's very difficult to proclaim the gospel there because you have all these people basically saying, listen, we've been there. My parents have been there, done that. Mm. Right. We, 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 we tried all this stuff. We were promised all these things and it didn't actually happen when yeah. the truth is you should have said, actually the, the current Christian life is a mixture of great joys and still mm. sorrows. Right. We mm. groan inwardly yeah. mm-hmm. as awaiting. And that's why I have a hard time. So this just is one word, but often I'll hear the gospel described as a life of abundance. You're gonna have. You're gonna come to come and experience Christ and, and live this life of abundance Eventually, that He has promised yes. you. <laughs> well, but then because on on my side, I'm I'm thinking. Well, there's also an abundance of bad too in your right. life. Right. Eventually, eventually. So, like, what do we even mean when we say abundance? Are we just trying to sell people this this Jesus movement? And right. You're gonna feel so good all the time. Like, I just have a hard time with that word. So, Jill Austin has a magazine out. These they're doing a magazine, which I thought was remarkable. That it's at it's at a newsstand. I was in the states <laughs> uh, the other day at Fred Meyer, and on the Fred Meyer newsstand, it has like when you're walking through the checkout counter, there's Joel Austin. You know, like Vogue. 17 or whatever it is and Joel Osteen and Joel Osteen on the front page of his picture Joel Osteen and it says do you have the abundant life or do you want like a life of abundance I think is what it said yeah. mm-hmm. and I've heard him before on this and his his argument is is this very point he's promising mm. a kind of life that is promised in the scriptures for the fulfilled kingdom mm. okay he gets language from the Psalms and other places but about the fulfilled kingdom. The problem is he doesn't balance that over and against the the reality that we live, you know, we, we're, so we're not there quite yet. We're not there yet. So is there is there a danger for us always emphasizing the not yet? Yes, it means that we don't sometimes live in the already. Mm-hmm. We end up thinking that this life is one of constant defeat to sin and you never will get, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that can be the case. And you never ask God for healing. Mm-hmm. You never expect it because God doesn't do that. And this life is just going to be, tr- you know, drudgery until right. we get to heaven. That's a danger. But the other danger, which seems far more prevalent these days, quite honestly, is that what you should expect from your life is... Mm-hmm. Victory over victory over victory over, and every if you're not experiencing the victory, it's because something's going on with you mm. that you don't either have enough faith, or you're not going to the right church, or mm. you haven't you haven't like done done the stuff, the, the giving spe- enough money of well, yourself. Right, there's time. certain things that you can do to move God to give you the things that you that He's promised. So yeah. language like activating your faith, or yeah, or, or a whole series of kind of rituals, which sound quite honestly like Western versions of visiting the witch doctor, right? Go take a couple of chicken bones and mix it together with the blood of a, you know, goat and boom. But we we don't do that. We say, well, go to church and give certain amount of money, Mm -hmm. Um, go to church and, and, and visit with the pastor or be under the anointing ministry of another. So go go in your closet and, and say, claim the things you want. Right. And repeat them. Right. So, but what we're telling people is to expect the kind of life that isn't actually the kind of life that God's promised in this present time. Right. He has promised it in the renewed kingdom, in, in the in the fulfilled, yep. consummated kingdom. Yeah. But in this present time, the descriptions are are different than mm. that. And I I just think that this is what it means to teach the whole counsel of God and remind people. Yeah. Of those things. I. It's interesting hearing sometimes when this is taught, people will say, well, when in Jesus's ministry, when, when he was healing people, 
he never passed up opportunities to bring healing to people. And I'm, that's where, as someone who's reading the scriptures, you want to ask questions like, well, really? Because sometimes there were he whole went, crowds of people asking he for goes healing. to the other town because they needed to, he needed he says, to preach yeah, to them as well. I'm going to go now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I know that there's like actually hundreds of you asking for my help, but I'm going to go. And so when, mm-hmm. when we use the descriptions of Jesus's healing ministries, which were real and valid and powerful and legitimate, when we use those as necessarily prescriptions for what we should expect in our Christian life, it's where we just aren't really reading very fairly to what the authors are trying to do. They're, they're not trying to make the point, hey, Jesus is always going to bring healing in every single circumstance. Yeah. Actually, they seem to go out of their way to say that he won't. Yeah. In some circumstances, he'll have disciples of his, people who who believe him, who want to follow him, who want healing from him, and he goes to a different town. Yeah. And so, but you don't hear that passage. Oh, there's lots of passages quite as much. That you don't hear, right? Right. Everybody wants to. Li- everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer. There's there's a verse that is not frequently quoted. Yeah. Abundant life is, but you don't hear. My point is, both of those are true. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That there is a promise of abundant life. You will experience portions of it in the present world. Because of this, of the ministry of Jesus to you and the Spirit's presence with you, mm-hmm. but you will also experience pain and heartache as a normal part of following mm-hmm. following Him in the present world, and uh, an abundance of that. Right, and what you find what's fun, crazy about it is that you end up finding people end up becoming counselors like Job's friends. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you're suffering. Uh, it's got to be because you did something wrong. Did you not, did you follow the protocols? Did you, hmm. are you sitting under the right teacher? Did you go to the right, like this other guy, he heals. That one that you're talking about there, he doesn't, he doesn't do it. So, because there's no, the reason people suffer is because of, because they've done something wrong or there's mm-hmm. something missing or whatever. God wants to. Right. You just haven't activated it You yet. haven't figured out the keys to, to do it. And so there are special people among us who can tell you the keys for a little, oftentimes for a little bit of money, money. Right. And then they can say, look at me, I live the abundant life because I have all these. Of course, at times those very people end up dying quietly, just so you know, like Eddie Long recently or or uh, Paul Crouch. And then everyone's like, well, what, what, wait, what, how, what, how did he, he died? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because he lives in the, in the very world that we're describing. Okay. And, and you paid him a bunch of money so that you wouldn't experience the very thing that he's experiencing experiencing now you're just hurt it hurts people in the end it hurts people in the present world it makes them expect things that aren't true of their life and then they end up getting frustrated with god and in my opinion sometimes abandon the faith Mm. or change the faith into something else Mm. and that's where to me it's a massive massive problem well guys we literally answered everything in this episode wow we are so good misa likes it so good sir Oh, good. You like that? Full circle. Jar 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 Jeff. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week.